Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Neptune's Chalice, The Reckoning, written by M.J. Feinauer. The conclusion of an epic Machiavellian thriller. After escaping from the assassin that had just killed the president-elect of the United States and her paramour, Kai, Zoe Volkova must disappear. The FBI is hunting for her, and so are the perpetrators. Both know that she is the key to exposing an elaborate and sinister plan for world power. The FBI wants her alive, but the assassins are determined to silence her permanently. Neither is aware of just how formidable and resourceful Zoe can be. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Neptune's Chalice, The Reckoning. Chapter 1 The Central Virginia Express commuter train carried the 5 a.m. business crowd into the city. Roaring overhead, it woke Zoe Volkova from a much-needed sleep. She had taken refuge under the rail overpass for the evening. It was her safest option. Using an old blanket, probably left behind by some unfortunate homeless soul, she had been able to find some comfort on the cold concrete of the overpass. Still not ready to remove the blanket and expose herself to the cold, damp Richmond morning, Zoe pulled her phone from her pocket and began to search for news of the assassination of President-elect McDowell. News articles flooded the multimedia cloud. The story was everywhere. So were pictures of Zoe Volkova. Selecting one of the many pictures posted, Zoe began to read the accompanying story. An update from the WNN newsroom. Authorities are looking for this woman in connection with the assassination of President-elect Bryce McDowell. The FBI is not calling her a suspect at this time, but rather a person of interest. If you know the woman or have information concerning her whereabouts, you are asked to contact your local authorities or the FBI at 888-731-7878. Ms. Volkova may be armed and considered dangerous. Do not approach her. Terrific. They think I did it, Zoe thought. As she struggled to come to terms with what had happened, her mind began to replay everything that took place the day before. Quickly she lost herself to the terrifying moments leading up to Kai's death. She relived watching the assassin Riegler assemble his weapon in front of her and Kai, and remembered the helpless and frightened feeling she had. Her heart sank, recalling the moment when she took the rifle magazine from the assassin to try to prevent him from carrying out his assignment. What happened next was something Zoe would never be able to forgive herself for. The heroic attempt to stop a murder only ended the life of her friend. She could still recall hearing the sound of the bullet entering Kai's chest and watching as the emotionless assassin carried on with his duties. Zoe couldn't erase the thoughts and feelings she had as she held Kai in her arms, feeling his life slip away from her. It was almost as if she could still feel him pressed against her. It wasn't until that very moment that Zoe looked down at her chest to see her shirt was stained with Kai's blood. It was too much for her to bear any longer. Clutching the filthy raggedy blanket that had covered her overnight, Zoe poured out the sorrow from her heart and wept uncontrollably. 
The sun slowly greeted the new day as it rose on the horizon. Its rays touched Zoe's face, as if they were the warm fingers of her beloved grandfather wiping away her tears. Zoe opened her eyes to bear witness to the glorious sunrise. She could almost hear her grandfather calling to her, Rise, my child, there is work to be done. Remember, you are a Volkova, you are my wolf. It was as if her grandfather were picking her up from the cold concrete. Zoe sprung to her feet, just when another commuter train passed overhead. She tucked Riegler's pistol inside her jeans near the small of her back. The smoldering coals of the Russian fire that burned within her were rekindled. Zoe knew what she needed to do. She wiped the last tears from her face as she looked around to get a better idea of her location. She needed to get to her storage unit. There, she would have access to a gift her grandfather had given her when she first came to the United States. She had never opened the suitcase and had no idea what it contained. All she knew was that her grandfather called it her Pobegdelo, which loosely translated to escape case. Zoe's journey to her storage unit covered four to five miles. She remained in the shadows and did not take a direct route to get there. Two miles into her trek, she discovered what appeared to be a makeshift tent city assembled by the homeless. Occasionally, Zoe had heard people talk about the increase of these encampments sprouting up across the Richmond area. She found herself faced with harsh realities and the spread of poverty. The extreme cost of fighting the Jihad War had taken a toll on the nation's poor and lower middle class. Hungry and in need of a jacket and cap to help conceal her identity, Zoe cautiously entered the tent city. She could feel the piercing stares from the homeless occupants. Who the hell is that? shouted one man. A woman holding half a bottle of vodka cried out, There's that bitch that took my husband from me. It was evident the woman had already been drinking heavily that morning. Only a few of the other tent city residents delivered verbal barbs, some of which were extremely vulgar. Most gazed at Zoe with looks of hope, that perhaps she was a relative come to rescue them from the misfortune that had befallen them. Zoe's heart felt heavy as she slowly walked among so many young families with children. She knew she couldn't help them all, but perhaps a few. Observing a small family sitting in front of their tent, heating a kettle of water for coffee, and another to make some instant oatmeal, Zoe noticed their teenage daughter, who appeared to be about her size. She approached them slowly, all the while trying to keep her arms crossed close to her chest in an attempt to conceal her blood-stained shirt. The father suspiciously watched every step and was ready to react if Zoe made any sudden moves for their breakfast. Zoe stopped well short of reaching them and squatted down, assuming a non-threatening position. Hello, my name is Zoe. The small family of three remained silent and continued to watch Zoe very closely. Finally, the father acknowledged her with a nod of his head that triggered a verbal greeting from his daughter. Hi, my name is Samantha, but you can call me Sam, said the teenager with a bright smile. Zoe liked Sam right away. Hi, Sam, Zoe replied, returning the warm smile. 
I'm sorry to bother you during your breakfast, but I'm very hungry. I can give you some money if you could spare something for me to eat. Sam immediately turned to her father and said, Daddy, she can have the Danish you gave me last night. That would be fine, Zoe said. I'll give you twenty for it. The amount she offered may have been excessive, but it didn't matter to Zoe. She was hungry, and she had twenty-five hundred of the deceased assassin's money. Some of the residents of the neighboring tents heard Zoe's offer, which made them stop what they were doing and look her way. Realizing they had suddenly acquired an inquisitive audience, the father turned to the unwanted eavesdroppers. Y'all just never mind. Any one of you bother this little girl will have to answer to me. Then he stood and went into his tent. Zoe could see that he was not one to dish out idle threats. He was tall and muscular, with very large hands. A laborer's hands, she thought. At that moment, she believed she did not have to worry about her safety. The man returned with a Danish and handed it to Zoe, then turned to go back to his seat. Wait! exclaimed Zoe as she stood and reached into her pocket for the money. Zoe had completely forgotten about her bloodstained shirt, then quickly realized she had just revealed it to them. Are you all right, child? asked the mother. Looking down the front of her shirt, Zoe explained, I'm fine. This isn't my blood. All three family members remained quiet, waiting for a detailed explanation. Modestly, Zoe continued, There was this guy that wouldn't leave me alone, and he started getting real nasty with me, so I had to break his nose. Unfortunately, he fell forward unconscious right against me. The mother and father had a serious look of concern on their faces, but Sam was all smiles. Here's the money for the Danish, Zoe said. While handing it to the father, she pulled out another twenty dollars and pointed to a hooded sweatshirt lying on one of the cots near the entrance to their tent. She told him, I'll give you twenty dollars for that. Without hesitation, Sam sprang to her feet, grabbed the sweatshirt, and handed it to Zoe taking the twenty in exchange. Would you care for a cup of coffee with your Danish? asked the father. Yes, thank you. That would be great. It's instant, added the father. That's fine, sir. Thank you very much, Zoe said as she took the steaming cup of joe from him. Sam rose from her seat and asked Zoe, Would you like to have my chair? No, Sam, that's quite all right. I'm fine. Sam left her chair where it was, walked over to Zoe, and sat next to her. Inquisitive as young girls can be, Sam began to ask Zoe a few questions. Where do you live? Do you have a house? I live here in Richmond, and yes, I have a house, Zoe replied. She paused, then said, I did have a house. I'm not sure right now. Sam had a confused look on her face. You don't know if you still have a house? Why not? Sam's parents remained silent. They, too, wanted to know. Zoe couldn't tell them the truth as to what was happening, so she searched for a believable story. I fell behind on my payments, and the bank was going to take my house away. You're not on drugs, are you, girl? questioned the father. 
attempting to demonstrate his fatherly disapproval if she were. No, sir, I'm not on drugs. Zoe's answer pleased Sam. She didn't want the fondness she had quickly developed for Zoe to slip away in a moment's time. Well, I'm glad to hear you're not pissing your money away on drugs, stated the father. So, what are you spending your money on? he asked. Zoe thought the line of questioning was beginning to get a little personal. She didn't want to be rude, but decided it was time to go. She placed the last piece of Danish in her mouth and took one more sip of her coffee, then stood and brushed the seat of her jeans off. What do you spend your money on? repeated the father. Twenty dollar Danish. The father grinned as he nodded his head. Sam stood, smiling once again at Zoe. You take care now, Sam, Zoe said as she reached in her pocket once again and pulled out a $100 bill. Here, Sam, this is for you. Sam was speechless. She didn't need to say anything. Her bright eyes and warm smile said it all. Zoe knew she had to leave at that very moment, or else she would begin to cry. As she slipped the hooded sweatshirt on, Zoe looked at the mother and father one more time and said, Thank you very much. She placed one hand on Sam's cheek and softly said, Goodbye, Sam. Within taking just a few steps, Zoe refocused on getting to her storage unit. The hooded sweatshirt provided the appropriate disguise that enabled her to hail a cab to get her there in a matter of minutes. There was very little activity in and around the storage facility. Zoe looked about as she approached her unit. No one should be looking for her there, because she had rented the unit under a different name long ago. Her grandfather instructed her to do that, so that no one could trace the unit back to her in the event they found the escape case. She quickly entered the combination to the unit on the keypad and opened the door. Once inside, the lights turned on automatically, and she closed the door behind her. There really wasn't much in the storage unit. Zoe was never a pack rat. Without hesitation, she walked to the center of the unit and knelt down next to a steel grate. The grating covered a large drain built in the event of flooding to the unit. Zoe laced her fingers in the gaps of the grating, lifted, and pulled it to one side, exposing a large square cavern. She walked to the edge, sat down, then eased herself into the drainage opening. Tied onto the vertical drain pipe was a large horizontal drain pipe running from the unit next to hers. It was there that the escape case was stored, double-wrapped in plastic. With finesse and determination, Zoe managed to extract the heavy suitcase from its secret hiding place. Like a child opening presents on Christmas morning, Zoe ripped the protective plastic from the suitcase, exposing a digital keypad. Years prior, when she had brought the case to the storage unit, Zoe's grandfather passed along the combination to her, so that she didn't have to commit it to memory or keep it written on a secret piece of paper. Zoe wrote the numbers on the wall of the unit in a cryptic manner. Only she knew the correct sequence to enter the numbers. Zoe paused before entering the first digit. She remembered the day when her grandfather brought the case to the storage unit. 
He was the one that had hidden it in the drainpipe for her. He had asked her to swear that she would never tell anyone about it. He told her what it was for and when to use it, but he never told her what was in it. It was her pobegdello. The unknown contents were what made Zoe a little nervous. There was no telling what she would find. As a highly decorated agent of Russia's Federal Security Service, her grandfather had access to an array of surveillance and counterintelligence equipment. She entered the six-digit combination that released three locked latches. Taking a deep breath, Zoe slowly opened the case. Just as she had expected, the case was neatly packed and organized. She began to take inventory of the case's contents. Cash cards for several countries from around the world. Zoe could only assume the account for the cards was adequately funded. Two new cell phones. Two Walter PPK handguns with two clips each. A handheld ID machine with camera. Four wigs, assorted styles and colors. Makeup. Four changes of clothes and shoes. A recording device an explosive device with timer and detonator, two throwing knives, passports from several countries, a sealed envelope containing a letter. Once she saw the envelope, Zoe opened it immediately and began to read the letter it contained. My dearest Zoe, my heart aches that you are reading this. It can only mean that my Malinky Volk is in trouble. You must be strong and remember what it is you need to do. Do not fear the shadows. Make the unknown your ally. Remember all that I taught you. You have everything you need before you. Use the contents of the case wisely. Trust no one but yourself. And you will survive, grandfather. Gazing upon the contents of the case, Zoe could picture her grandfather speaking those words to her. Just the tone in his voice would motivate her and summon the courage she would need to take on the President of the United States and his associate, Victoria Sterling. Zoe undressed and changed into some of the clothes from the case. She also chose the red, short-haired wig to complete the outfit. Finding a mid-sized backpack among her things that had been stored away, Zoe stuffed all she could into it including some of the weapons from the case and the copies of the recordings Kai made of current President Penny and Victoria Sterling while on the golf course at Sterling Heights before the election. As Zoe placed one of the cell phones her grandfather had left her in the backpack and the other in her pocket, she suddenly remembered she needed to destroy hers. With the biker boots she was now wearing, Zoe removed the memory card, dropped it on the floor, and ground it into the concrete with the heel of her boot. Then she repeated the process on the rest of the phone and kicked the shattered pieces into the drainage hole. It was time now to make plans to leave Richmond. Taking one of the secured cell phones from her pocket, Zoe dialed the number of the one she knew she could trust with her life, Chandler. Zoe was hoping she would be able to catch Chandler at home. Being that it was still early in the morning, her concern quickly diminished. Chandler usually didn't get out of bed until noon. The call was answered. What the hell time is it? A grouchy, groggy, hoarse voice answered. 
It was obvious that Zoe had woken Chandler. Hi, Chandler. It's me, Zoe. It was suddenly quiet for a moment. The silence was broken by what could only be described as a snort coming from Chandler. She fell back to sleep, thought Zoe to herself. Bitch, wake up! shouted Zoe. Another snort from Chandler threw the airwaves into Zoe's ear. Only this time, it was ferocious enough to wake Chandler herself. Realizing she had the phone in her hand, she assumed she had been talking to someone. Hello? said Chandler. Chandler, it's Zoe. Zoe? Zoe knew if Chandler remained lying down while she spoke, chances were that Chandler would fall back asleep. Chandler, sit up for me and talk to me, okay? pleaded Zoe. Without hesitation, Chandler sat up. I'm up, I'm up, assured Chandler. Zoe continued. I'm coming by later today. I need a place to stay for a while. The fog had cleared from Chandler's brain for her to finally realize who she was speaking with. Zoe, Jesus Christ, girl, you're all over the news. Yes, I know. Chandler started to slip into panic mode. Shit, baby, what did you do? Please tell me you didn't kill McDowell. Please, please tell me. Chandler, I didn't kill anyone. They killed Kai, Chandler. Her voice began to break, but she managed to keep it together. Who are they? asked Chandler. I don't have time to tell you right now. We will talk when I get there, okay? Sure, sure, agreed Chandler. Thank you, love. I'll see you later. Zoe ended the call, then connected to a train station to book an afternoon train to New York. As she looked around one last time, Zoe closed the case, securely locking it and stashing it behind a few boxes. Then she dragged the steel grating back into place over the drainage hole. It was time to go. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Neptune's Chalice, The Reckoning. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.